2: So day by day, one of the most exciting things that I believe that I have, and you have, is to be able to, as a Christian, hear God's voice and be led by Him. You have that privilege, you have that right. The book of John says, my sheep know my voice. So as I'm led by the Spirit of God, I
0: can know that this is where God wants me to go. Many of us are quick to become aware of the spiritual battle taking place when we make the decision to follow Christ. From past struggles to new temptations, each of us faces challenges during our new life in Christ. Sometimes these temptations can seem overpowering, but as we learn in today's message, there is a way to overcome. In our study, Pastor Mark discusses the importance of being filled with the Spirit. No matter how challenging certain situations may be, we learn that we can overcome them by the power of prayer and being filled with the Spirit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 2, with his continuing study entitled, The Battle Begins...
2: Because Jesus was filled with the spirit and knew the word of God and prayed to his father every type of temptation he could identify with he passed the bible tells us in the book of Hebrews we have a high priest who went through every kind of trial and tempting that you and I go through one difference he never sinned so being filled with the spirit doesn't eliminate testing and temptation See, a lot of people think, well, if I get filled with the Spirit, then it's going to be a perfect life. I'm not going to have any more temptation. No, exactly wrong. By the way, being tempted isn't a sin. Giving in to temptation is a sin. So you and I are going to be absolutely tempted, and we're going to have to go through some difficult times. Now, being filled with the Spirit helps us to defeat Satan and his temptations. God didn't design our lives to be lived in the power of the Spirit by ourselves. It's with him. We'll never be able to overcome the temptations of life without God in control of our lives. Now, go back to verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, into the desert, being filled with the Spirit, Allows us to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is a wonderful thing. It's one thing for Jesus to be led into the wilderness. The Spirit says, here's here's where I want you to go. I want you to go into the wilderness. Then Jesus gets there, and he's there for 40 days and doesn't know what to do. No, he's going to be led every single day by the Spirit. That's what the Spirit-filled life is all about. It's 24-7. Listening, hearing God, hearing his voice, knowing what to do. Romans 8.14 says those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Turn it around. If you're a son or daughter of God, you can expect for God to lead us. So day by day, one of the most exciting things that I believe that I have and you have is to be able to, as a Christian, hear God's voice and be led by him. You have that privilege, you have that right. The book of John says, my sheep know my voice. So as I'm led by the Spirit of God, I can know that this is where God wants me to go. It's not weirdness. It's not all the time, you know, tie your shoes, wear a brown tie, have a brown shirt on. No, you have a wife for that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is not into what you're wearing, okay? But he is interested. When you're out doing this, and he says, I, you need to stop there. And this, person, and this person comes up to you, and you go, I don't really have time for this. And all of a sudden, they pour out their heart. Then you got to go, okay, this is a God thing. Let me stop for a moment. Well, I'm going to be late for another appointment. Who cares? Because I'm going to have to deal with this. So as we're doing that in our lives, God's doing some wonderful things as he leads us. Let me just ask you a simple question this morning. In the last week, do you know you've been led by God? Not for you to answer out loud, just yourself. Are you enjoying being led by God? Well, Pastor Mario, that's only for special Christians. No, that's wrong. It's for every Christian. See, if I'm not being led by God, then I'm being led by myself. And when myself gets out in front, how many know we're in trouble? And that's where we get. So we have this privilege this morning of being led by God. Now, I'm just going to ask you to write this verse down. I'm not going there this morning. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 15-17, through 17, gives us the three ways that we're tempted. Jesus is going to be tempted in all three of these ways. It's the same three ways that Eve was tempted. And so you can identify them as we go through. So here's number one. Temptation number one. The lust of the flesh. In other words, I'm going to be tempted, I'm going to have a desire to do something, to do, to do is the key, to do something apart from the will of God, apart from the will of God. So that's the first thing of the three that we're going to talk about this morning. Jesus is going to do it in a certain way, you and I are going to be tempted the same way. There's a flesh part of me that wants to do something and I really don't want to care what God wants, I'm just going to get it and I want to get it done. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He was hungry. Jesus was in the wilderness. The wilderness had food. We know that because John the Baptist lived there. But Jesus voluntarily, for 40 days, didn't eat anything. He drank, but he didn't eat. Now, the writer says, He was hungry. Did the writer need to put that in there? Probably not. How many know if you've ever tried fasting after about three hours, you're starving? You know what I mean. Here's 40 days. Now, if you're fasting for 40 days, and Satan is an enemy, and he's very wise, what could he tempt you with? Krispy Kreme. He could tempt you with food sure have you ever walked by a bakery or especially if you're in a mall and there's a Cinnabon you know I don't know where it is but everyone in them Cinnabon places somewhere below that counter there's this little fan you know it's true you're 25 stores away but oh, oh there's this there's this smell isn't there there's this smell, and it's, it's got your name on it. And it's calling you, and it's calling you, and it's calling you. Well, I believe if Satan could have, he'd have this little fan and fresh-baked bread. Oh, what a smell. And I believe, well, look what he says in the next statement. Here's what Satan says. And the tempter, notice, came to him. This is a one-on-one. And said, the wording is incorrect here in the New King James, King James, whatever. It shouldn't be if it's since. Since you are the son of God, Satan obviously knew who he was. He says, tell these stones to become bread. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, stones are everywhere. So in my mind, when he says this, this is what comes to my mind. Do you see this sourdough? Bodine from San Francisco. Don't they look like stones? I believe Satan probably said to Jesus, you've been fasting 40 days. And, and you know the, the sourdough that Bodine has? It's crusty. See it? It's crusty on the outside. Oh, when you cut into it, the steam just come. out. A little bit of butter on it. Or lox and bagels. Whatever. It, oh, and... It, whoa, whoa, whoa. First key we learn. Temptation is always tempting. You see, he doesn't bring him a garbage pail. He brings him something that tempts him. So temptation, just put it down, is attractive. Satan's not stupid. So he brings us something to do, to feel, to have that's attractive. Now, I thought it was interesting. Jesus could have easily done this after 40 days, any food would look good. And last night when I went through that illustration and put the Bodine bread up from San Francisco, I got here this morning and evidently one of the people that own Atlanta Bread Company or whatever come here periodically. I get this bag of sourdough bread back there. Whoa! <laughs> hallelujah. Next week I'm talking on the temptation of filet mignons or something or whatever. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Now, did Jesus ever have anything to do with bread? Well, number one, he was the bread of life. But remember one day, little boy, a little lunch? What did he do with that bread? Did, Did he do a miracle with that bread? He sure did. Fed thousands of people. But see, Jesus never used his miracle powers, the power of God, for himself. So Satan is saying to him, hey, it's been 40 days. God's probably forgot you. I mean, what can harm? It's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a loaf of bread. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. Satan is saying to him, right now, your physical needs are more important than your spiritual. It's been 40 days. You've done good. Well, look at how Jesus responds in verse 4. And Jesus answered, it is written, there's the word of God. All of his responses will come from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus knew God's word. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus responds with the weapon of the Bible. He basically says this, no, I am hungry, but the real part of me is spirit, And in any quotes from the Old Testament, look at it. We'll look at it very quickly. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. You see it there. Here's the verse he takes Satan back to. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, speaking about Israel, humbling you and testing you. Why? To prove your character like we told you about, the testing. And to find out whether or not you would really obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and feeding you with manna and previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people need more than bread for their life. Real life comes from feeding on every word of the Lord. Jesus' response is, no man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember this morning when we were created, we created a three-part being. You look at yourself this morning, you're a three-part being. Your body, your mind, will, and emotion, soul, and your spirit. You see, your spirit part... You can't see. We can experience that emotion. The spirit part, we don't. But the, the spirit part is the real part of us. So when we were created, it was spirit, soul, and body. The bodily desires. When Eve sinned, it was reversed. And so if you're not a Christian this morning, what rules you is your natural desires, your fleshly desires, the temptation of the flesh, to do something apart from the will of God. Now, fleshly desires aren't bad. God gave us all of those to eat and to drink, to have sex and to love and all those things. Those are good if they're, if they're done in, in the way God designed them. So inside me this morning, even as a Christian, is a battle. It's a battle of the spirit versus the flesh. Paul wrote to us, here you see it, Galatians chapter 5. It says this, the old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly inside you, inside me, fighting each other. What's the key to victory? The last part, choice. Your choices are never free from this conflict. So I can't say to God, God, remove temptation from me. I can't take it. No, he won't. Remove testing from me. I'm sure I'm good enough. You got me just like you like me. No, he doesn't. So he won't. So what is my choice? Even as a Christian inside me this morning, I have a desire to do this. My old nature says, do it. God says, oh, no, you're not going that way. So what is Jesus saying in the end of this? Here's what Jesus is saying. I was led into the desert. God told me to fast. I'm not stopping until God says I'm through. So even if it's one day early, I won't make a loaf of bread. Could I? In a heartbeat. But I won't do it because God will. God's will said no. Hey, you're not done with the fasting yet. So I won't use my miraculous powers or any power to do something that God hasn't told me to do. That's simply what. I just won't act. Here's the key. I won't act independent of God. Now, do the desires of the flesh, are they evident in our society today? I watched a program last Friday. Actually, I taped it. It was a 2020 thing on families and raising kids and all kinds of stuff. Parts of it were very good. Then the, the opening part is the reason I really watched it because I wanted to see what they were going to talk about. They were talking about, you, you know, there's this incredibly popular program on ABC called "A Desperate Housewives. It's ungodly. It's satanic. It's full of garbage. But what they were going to show is that it's based on how people live in the United States. I said, I want to see this. So they showed it. And they actually went to homes. There was about four or five couples that were being interviewed. Maybe some of you saw it. And these are couples that look like us. And they showed the clubs that they go to. There's one in Fort Lauderdale. There's many across the United States. Here's what happens in the clubs. You go into the clubs, have a drink, dance a little bit, whatever. Then you have rooms in the back. And you can go, as long as you go with your spouse, you can ask anybody else to join you. And so they showed these people, and or hid much of it. Here's husband and wife with another lady and they're all in bed and he's kissing her and she's kissing him and whatever and they're having sex together. But the the rules are you have to go in with your spouse and you have to leave with your spouse. And this is an everyday kind of experience. Big beds, lots of people. So John Stossel says to them, well, this is like immoral. And they said, no, it's not immoral. Number one, we're adults. And number two, we have rules. And number three, there's no lying because it's all out in the open. How could it be immoral? And John Sassel says, well, it's got to destroy your marriage. Oh, no, we have better sex than we've ever had before in our lives. But here was the kicker. John Sassel said to him, "Um, do your children know about this? Oh, no, 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 no. Why? Why? Because they know it's wrong. Would you want your kids to follow that? There isn't a person here that would. You say, well, am I kind of Sounds exciting. Well, sure it's exciting. One of the guy's statements was this. I don't want to die without knowing that I've had lots of sex with lots of women as long as my wife's with me. Well, now we laugh and say, well, I don't have any of those kind of desires. Sexuality never even crosses my mind. Well, now you're lying. Sure it does. But can we go there? Well, no, you can't go there. You see... They don't know, or if they do, they've ignored the word of God. Adultery is a sin. In the Old Testament, the club would have been open one night. Because you know what happened in the morning? They're all stoned. You wouldn't go to that club because everybody that walks out gets stoned. Well, God doesn't do that today, but it's still wrong. So ask yourself this morning. You look at our world. is say, Pastor Mark, I'm not like that. You're right. But do we have desires of the flesh that I have to control? Let me ask you, what movies you've seen the last month? What was the focus? Oh, Pastor Michael, with this movie, and, you well, know, it only three or four sexual scenes and pretty much covered, or maybe not the top, and, and 25 words, but they were not too bad, and it had a real good underlying value. Really? Really? What kind of listen, music you listen to, kids. Ah, oh, this great music. What are the lyrics about? Well, rape and sodomy and what? But it's okay. I don't, I don't listen to words. Really? I don't think so. So see, we can look at these wild swingers. And we can just down them. But we have to be careful what comes into our minds. Maybe some of the channels on our cable, we shouldn't even have. Because I'm tempted to go to them. You see, the flesh nature is still in me. You have to put up safeguards in your life. I have to put up the same safeguards. We're humans. As you know, a pastor in this church can't counsel a woman alone. Why? Because we're men and they're women. Is that clear enough for you? You say, well, that's stupid. No, it's very wise. Because we know Satan's ways. So let me ask you a question at the end of this this morning. What rules your life? The spirit man or the flesh? Simple answer, you have to answer it. Number two, temptation the pride of life. The pride of life. What does that mean? It's the desire to be something or someone apart from God's will. It's the desire, that prideful desire, to show off, to be the center of attention, to, to have things, whatever, to, to be the focus of attention. Matthew 4, verse 5, second temptation for Jesus. And the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 100 feet up, 400 feet up, we don't know exactly how much. Since you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Here we see the incredible deceitfulness of Satan. Here's what Satan goes. Okay, in the first temptation, I tried you to get you to do this, and you answered me, "No, this is what God's word says." So Satan goes, "Okay, you want to use the word? I'll use the word. Let me quote it to you." Did you know this morning that Satan knows the word? But notice in this quote, he quotes Psalm ninety-one, but he omits in a very important part: "To guard you in all your ways." You see, I can take a verse out of context anywhere in the Bible. And I can kind of make it say what it wants to say. So what Satan says of Jesus is simply this. Well, Jesus, God says that he'll protect you. His angels will protect you. Just do whatever you want and God will protect you. Actually, Satan says he has to protect you. He promises to do it. But Jesus is going to reply, well, no, there's a part you missed. You didn't understand. To guard you in all your ways. And what he's going to say is, well, Jesus is going to respond and say, yes, he will protect me, except if I do some things independent of God. And then I move out of the protection of God. God hasn't told me to jump off this pinnacle, but Satan comes back to him and he says this, no, now if you're Superman, like, and, and you jump off this, and think of this, all the people are down there, and here you come, and they expect you to go, but the angels are going to come woo, right at the last moment. Man, you're going to be the center of attention. And you got what you need. The Messiah has arrived. Tempting? Sure. Who doesn't want to be in the limelight?
0: In today's message with Pastor Mark, we learned about the importance of prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. When it comes to seeking guidance and direction, Pastor Mark taught us that there's no better place to turn than to the guidance of our Father. In our message, we learned that when we do this day by day, we can better live the life that Christ came to give us through His work on the cross. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 3336, and the title of this message is The Battle Begins. Again, today's message number is 3336, and the title of this message is The Battle Begins. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time on Lessons for Living as Pastor Mark discusses the challenges and rewards of following God. In our study, we'll learn that although it's not always the easiest path to follow, the alternative is best avoided at all costs. In our next message, Pastor Mark will teach us some key practices in which we can better guard our hearts from compromising our walk. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living.